And we thank you. We bless you and we praise you. We worship you, Lord. We love you and adore you, Jesus. We magnify you. We extol you and lift you up. You're worthy to be praised, worthy to be adored, worthy to be glorified and magnified. You are highly exalted above all gods. So we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for your glory. Without that, Father, we have no access to heaven. Without that being imparted to us, we have no way to understand you and to understand your great covenant of love. So we thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you, Father, for the four days coming in the glory. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in healing people, imparting to people. Thank you for people who are coming to the meetings, both locally and uh, around the country and actually around the world. So we thank you for that, Lord. Bless you and praise you. We lift you up and magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk today about the glory of God and, and uh, amen, and the fact that the glory is beyond. Amen. It's just beyond. You know that phrase. Uh, people say, well, this is just beyond. They don't know beyond what, but I thought that was a good way to describe what God's, what God, God does when he descends into the earth realm and leaves a deposit for us to fix things. Um, I can say this, that the glory of God fixes everything. The glory of God is different from the presence of God. The presence of God really is pretty much determined by our faith. It's determined by our need and our petition. Uh, it's determined by many things. Uh, you know, sometimes you can uh, walk in the presence of God. You can be uh, a part of things that um, uh, God is doing. And he doesn't really show up in full manifestation and full power. Uh, so there are, I guess, degrees of manifestation of God's presence. And all of these degrees have to be interpreted by the Holy Spirit. Because when he shows up, you have to know what he's showing up for, what he means when he shows up, and what he wants to do when he's in our midst. And so uh, many times people walk in a presence of God that is a companionship. I'll put it that way. Uh, uh, I, and, and it depends on your yieldedness to the Lord how much he manifests as your companion. So, um, for instance, when when I was first saved, I hungered for God all the time, and I had different experiences with God, but my faith was to stay close to him, and so when I would get around people, they would notice a tangible presence of God uh, upon me. And that's different than the the manifestation that comes for me to serve in the office that he's called me to. When I step in the pulpit, there's a different degree of that presence because it has to uh, get the meeting in order. It has to be there to conduct and to help people. So sometimes you'll find a greater manifestation of, of that presence. It all comes from the realm of glory, but then there's a, a full manifestation of the glory of God that comes in an even greater measure from time to time because God sees fit to visit us with more of his power, uh, a higher level of his anointing. The greatest anointing will always come for service. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, it, it sometimes will come for uh, companionship, uh, for validation, for, um, I guess, what could you call it? Uh, I guess you could say that, some kind of validation for some things. Like, uh, for instance, Catherine Kuhlman, it didn't happen to her all the time, but she was known to uh, uh, need need protection to get in and out of the meetings. Of course, if you got 15, 20, 30,000 people in an auditorium, if you go down the aisle, everybody will know it's you and want to reach you, touch you, say hi, whatever it is. So they would often have to escort her through kitchens, through alleys and, and things like that behind the the um, uh, the meeting room. And so she was known to, at one time she, would, she went through the meeting going to 
through the kitchen going to the meeting and you know the power of God came and descended not to knock everybody down but that's what happened you see what I'm saying now what I believe probably and this is just me this is how I understand the things of the Holy Spirit she probably could explain it much better than me but my thinking is this if she's concerned about something as far as the meeting is concerned no, and I've explained to you how, you know, you can, you can know you had a good meeting the last time and then go back to do the same type of meeting over again and your mind can go tilt wondering what's, what's he gonna do? What's gonna, and so in order to keep her at peace, the Holy Spirit probably came, showed up and manifested because of what she was experiencing in her soul that needed to be straightened out. And so everybody else got the overflow blessing of it, you see. They were standing there getting ready to cook and pots were dropping on the floor and people were getting drunk as she walked through the kitchen, you understand. That was her relationship with the Holy Spirit. So he manifested for her in that way. And I think what it did really was it brought her reassurance about the meeting. Sometimes if you have a, a busy day, maybe she didn't have time to do her usual that she does preparing, you know, or whatever it is, and you have some doubt going there. Well, the Holy Spirit is there to help everybody. So if he's there to help her, then he has to let her know it's all good. It's cool. We got this. It's just like it is every time you get up to serve people. And I think it's good to never take that for granted. Because there are people that lose the anointing. They lose the blessing and the favor of God. Or it wanes. Sometimes if people don't keep their, uh, their studies up or whatever, whatever lifestyle that cultivated you receiving that anointing, you gotta keep that up and even do more to make sure that it remains. You have to really be obedient to God and, and put a discipline in your life that will ensure that that will be there to serve the people. It's your spiritual equipment, but you've got to carry the equipment. I'll put it that way. So, so there are different manifestations, different uh, degrees, I would say, of manifestation of the glory of God. So the glory really refers to the weightiness of God. It's a tangible anointing. It's, it's not some fake thing. This is, is you know it's God. And that's a good thing about the glory of God because it carries with it a certain degree of certainty that God is involved in things. You know, you you can touch it almost, you can feel it for real. And so the, when we talk about the glory of God, that's what we're talking about, a more or less tangible manifestation. Now listen, that y'all brought that baby in here to preach on top of me. I have been trying to be out-preached by every baby that's come in here, and they have not been able to do it yet. Come here. Huh? Well, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm going to check this. It's a she, right? Okay, girlfriend, what's the deal here? You go out preach, Baba. Look at you. Oh, is she pretty? I saw a picture I've never seen. Yeah, I said, get me out of this thing. I said, please, 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 please. Yeah. Yeah, let me get up there. So, yeah. All right. Cool. All right. You good. Yeah, she's good. Y'all bring her up to the altar, though, afterwards. You want, yeah, because we'll bless her when we get finished. But they don't like the way I hold babies around here. I hold them like a, a OB nurse, so they don't like. <laughs> Everybody look at me. Okay, but anyway, so so anyhow, but the anointing is tangible like that. It really, really is, and we need to get accustomed to what God is doing, because the Spirit of God does speak to us through the Spirit. It's not like. He just shows up and lets us remain clueless. He will speak to us exactly what he's doing if we'll inquire in the spirit to get understanding of what to do. Now, there's some standard things that we know uh, we do by unction. And uh, say, for instance, if you uh, if you know somebody is sick, say you one of your family members is sick and you feel moved to pray for him, you know, to lay hands on him and you speak the command to be healed. So you know what that's for. So there's an unction there. But this is different. This is a tangibility that comes 
and it has to be interpreted. So let me take you first to um, the book of Acts so that we'll, we'll get all on one page with this and get you to understand that there's in, inquiry, <laughs> inquiry, questioning. There's inquiry in the spirit for certain things. I think it's Acts chapter 2. And 2, we, we see here the the... In verse 1, the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And so you know that, that, uh, the Spirit of God, this is, this is the glory of God in manifestation right here. It came for a specific purpose, and that is true, period. The glory of God always descends for a specific purpose. And we need to interpret correctly. The minister needs to get familiar enough with what the Spirit of God wants to do so that we can, that word must be spoken before the Spirit can go in and manifest because it has to be directed to do something. You know, other than that, we just get drunk and happy, which is fine. But if somebody needs to be healed or he wants to grow a limb out or something like that, that needs to be spoken as well. Sometimes they just manifest uh, because people are believing and they have faith out there. So it, it has to be, but it can't be just a dumb situation, you know, where you jump and shout and, and run around and, you know, it's it it hasn't really served what the ministry of Jesus, what he would do if if he were ministering through that. And so they were sitting, their tongues came on them like fire. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Now, there must have been a certain degree of faith involved in this activity because they received what he came to give them. You got me? So the Holy Spirit came to give them the gift of tongues. Now, it wasn't really understood when when the uh, um, Spirit of God would come upon them. Some people knew what to expect, but not everybody did. And so when you have a situation like that, you need to have interpretation, amen, and you need to get a great understanding. Now, when Jesus left the earth, he said, these signs shall follow those who believe. My name, they'll cast out devils, speak with new tongues. But that was uh, that was before Pentecost. So there may have been a smattering of people who knew what to expect, but pretty much if you pray for people, if you tell them you're going to get the gift of tongues, they start opening their mouth and it just spurts out. So it's one of those experiences that can start off totally clueless, but once you yield to the Holy Spirit, then a greater understanding of what, what you're to receive comes with that manifestation. It's like you get a, a, oh yeah, oh this is what that is. Well, I'd heard of tongues, but I didn't know this was it. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, an understanding, a knowledge comes in the package of the glory of God if you'll try and receive it from God. Now, there are many people who assume they know what's going on. That's the worst thing you can do in dealing with God and the things of the supernatural of God. You can't just think things and say this is what happened. It has to come from God's spirit in an explanation to your spirit to let you know and enlighten you as to what really is going on. Spiritual things are not that easily understood. Especially experience-wise, because because we can all have different experiences. They can all be valid, and some of them don't have to be. So we have to inquire of the Spirit at all times, and He will tell anybody anything 
that they need to know. You got me? So don't think if, you know, you have to, I had to fast for 21 days to get God to talk to me. He talks to us all the time. You know, we just have to listen and, and be open to receive what he has for you. So it says, verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak in under tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They didn't make it up themselves. It wasn't a learned language. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, devout men out of every nation under heaven. When they found out that that uh, that what had happened, they were confounded because every man heard them speak in their own language. Now, this is not always true all the time. Now, but it was a sign then when it first happened because they looked at him and they said well he's not from my country how'd he know how to say that to me or he's not familiar with where I came from how does he know my language and so that understood language as a sign is different from just uh, the manifestation of the gift of tongues and they can change we all know that so God may have used that as a sign initially and then that language went away and was replaced with another one in for for long-term use in that vessel may have been it didn't have to be and so they were amazed and marveled, saying uh, one to one another, how do we hear every man our own tongue? We're from all different places of the world. And they, uh, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, verse 12, saying one to another, what does this mean? See, that's a good question. Whenever God manifests, a good question is what does this mean? And get an understanding. What God? What are you doing? Tell me what this means. Tell me uh, why this is manifesting like this. Tell me something. And so Peter, but Peter, so he's different than the questioning ones. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So really, Peter is saying this not by his head knowledge. This is really a prophecy that he is speaking out to people. He's, he's speaking straight from the Holy Spirit exactly what's going on. It's not like he had to go through his memory and trying to figure out where in the Bible did I see this. Was this Joel? Was this Habakkuk? Was this Daniel? Where was you understand? He's speaking that out by unction of the Holy Spirit. So this is the interpretation of events that must come when the glory of God manifests. You have to interpret what God is doing when he shows up or he won't get his job done. And so it's it's good to inquire of God exactly what what he's doing. Now when when we have healing or our healing and miracle services, we have already stated before God what we expect him to do and that is to come in and heal people. He can do it in many different ways. All of it's driven by the anointing, but it can be done through people just believing the word. You listen and meditate by his stripes, I am healed, and, and that ignites on the inside of you, and there's an anointing to accompany that, to make it manifest. You come up to the altar, you get prayed for, and your healing will manifest. And so if if that's the case, then that's one way it happens. Another way it happens, it could be by the word of knowledge. There will be times where uh, God will speak to me that somebody has something and he wants to heal them. He does not call out ailments unless he has a remedy. You got me? He's not just shopping around for problems for people. Amen. So if he tells you somebody's sitting there with a headache or somebody's in pain, you call him up. He wants to heal them. So that's 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 kind of like a given. And so when we understand how to get understanding from the Spirit of God as to what he wants to do in situations, we'll get greater and greater manifestations because there are some things that may be beyond our, our normal level of faith to expect it. And see, a word of knowledge can say, and you, your mind will go tilt, oh God, you got growing somebody's leg out, glory. 
right. You know, you know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. And so we have to be open to have our faith extended and expanded and increased and believe him for more. And that happens as we inquire in the spirit for what God wants to do. You must believe the gifts of the spirit belong to the Holy Ghost and he will give them wherever they're needed. I didn't say if you fast enough, pray enough, give enough, or if you forgot to give and then you think it's dried up because you understand what I'm saying. Some people think if they, you know, put on a little lipstick, it goes away and all that kind of stuff. You know, it just, you just have to stay normal you and understand that God is using normal you and normal you can get the job done. I think that's the best way to put it. Gifts of the Holy Ghost will operate in anybody at any time where there's a need. So if you're at work and you have a co-worker that's not feeling well, God can tell you exactly how to pray for that people. That's part of the operation of the word of knowledge. Amen. If nothing specific comes to you, just pray the word. Amen. Father, I thank you that nothing is impossible with you. You're the God that heals us. Thank you for healing this person and be healed in Jesus' name and, and just let it, let it flow like that. And so, but the tangible presence of God comes in a greater manifestation for greater operation. One of the things that I believe the, the glory of God comes is for impartation. And this is what happened here. On the day of Pentecost, that was an impartation of the Holy Spirit to people for service. Then you go out and you uh, pray for the sick. You go out and preach the gospel with demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. Always expect God to show up and do something. So if you expect him to show up and do something, he'll do something. You may not know exactly what that person needs. Maybe that person's been on drugs or or anything like that. I can remember... Praying with somebody, I, I had a neighbor, and uh, she was a Pentecostal woman, and uh, she she had a, she said, "Oh, elder so and so, he just called me," and I said, "Oh, I said, why don't you get him to pray for me?" You know, I moved in on anybody's prayer line back in the day, and so uh, I was thinking I wanted to go back to work. I hadn't worked in several years; I wasn't able to, and so when I had him pray for that. And he was praying, and I don't even remember what he prayed. I don't know if he even mentioned job. But somehow the Spirit of God swept over me, and I felt a funny feeling on my tongue. And the word of knowledge came to me, said, you will never smoke cigarettes again. I wouldn't even ask him for that. See, that's the glory manifestation because it comes and it gives you what you need, whether you know you need it or not. Amen. And so I was delivered of cigarettes about the same time I started to get involved in women's ministry. So trust me, it was a blessing not to have to run out and want to grab a smoke. You know, I wasn't a real heavy smoker. But you know how the devil can condemn you when you got some hanging on from the world you can't get rid of? So I didn't need the devil's condemnation. That was God's mercy delivering me. Amen. That's been, what, 40 years ago or something like that? You know, I, you know, when you, you go and fill out these health questionnaires, a smoker, former smoker, I don't even remember smoking. And sometimes I say, oh, yeah, wait, wait a minute. I, that was a long time. That was another girl. Amen. And another lifestyle. But it's, it's good to inquire in the spirit of God to find out what God wants to do. It'll enhance your ministry. Don't ever assume that you know what God wants to do. If you have to pray in the spirit for a little bit to get your your spirit man up to speed talking to God, then go ahead and do that and let God God help you to understand more about him. There is always more to understand about God. There's always more to do in God. I would I used to say all the time I said God we need something else. What we have now is not enough. It's really not. There's there's times you really want to help the homeless person that's got a sign sitting out on the street, but where do you start? Well, you start with the glory of God. God's got to manifest on you first. And see when God shows up, then the the uh, homeless guy knows it. 
God and you know it's God and the whole situation changes for the better because that's what the early church walked in. You know, we can't condemn ourselves for not doing the works in the book of Acts because we don't have quite the power and the relationship with the Holy Spirit that's necessary to perform those things. But don't tell me they're not needed. They're needed everywhere. They are sorely needed. They're needed in the church. They're needed in people's households. People need to be delivered all the time. You know, we got people with wrecked brains. Huh? Just watching television will mess your head up. You got to turn that dog off because it'll devour you. You understand what I'm saying? All this anger that's spewed out all day long and... You know, you look at people and, and, and the devil is so deceptive, he'll do a, a, have a show with a title like The Real Housewives. And ain't none of them hookers married. That's right. You understand what I'm saying? But where you live, that ain't real. You got a husband and some kids and y'all been living together. Everybody's legal to each other. That ain't real. Let me show you The Real Housewives. redonkulous and we're supposed to sit up and eat that garbage up see and every time you look up somebody's grabbing somebody's hair across the table and throwing something and you know and the ratings go up because people are just getting so worked up through conflict we live in a conflict society we live in a conflict world folks because the devil's time is short and he he knows he's got to destroy people while he can get a grip on them you got me? And so we have to at all times understand that God has more for us to do because there's so much darkness that used to be. You used to be able to turn on the TV and watch it with your kids and the dog and everybody. Goldfish was happy. Everybody sat in the room and watched the same program. The reason everybody's got a TV in every room is, number one, people want to watch what they want to watch for the reason they want to watch it. See, the devil can get your kids off in their room and show them their perversion that's geared toward them. You can watch the housewives fight, and then you can't stand certain people in your family, or you don't want to see somebody coming. And they remind me of her. You look just like Cookie. You just, you know, you understand what I'm saying. And so, if if the enemy can indoctrinate us that way, you know, it happens little by little. Yeah, we think we're not, but you get hooked on something, something that's got violence and conflict in it, and you don't want to pass it up week after week after week, and you're a Christian. That's right. Amen. Oh! Don't do that to me by this Sunday. Well, it's a good day to get a whooping. Amen? <laughs> because we cannot feed on that. Because pretty soon, that becomes your delight. That becomes your portion. And the Lord is not your portion anymore. You got me? And so we have to, we have to deprogram ourselves. Your flesh will feed on anything at any time. Trust me. It don't get too tamal, I mean too tame that it don't want to feed on something stupid sometime. So we have to be very, very careful how we, what we expose ourselves to. But the other thing is I think we need to stay in a place where we can hear God clearly. You got and, and discern when he's talking to you. Not just, you know, and I think ministry is wonderful, and I know all of you have some level of ministry that you do for God. But I'm believing that on a, a relationship basis is where you need and I need to stay consistent, stay close to God, Stay under the shadow of the Almighty. Stay fed by God. Stay nurtured by God. That's got to be. See, that's what Catherine Kuhlman had. She had relationship. It, it, it wasn't that she was chosen specially to be anointed because there was something different about her. Hers grew out of relationship. Most of all of them grow out of that way. John G. Lake had a, a fantastic healing ministry. He taught so many believers how to pray for the sick. Taught tons of believers. He had healing rooms. He did all of that. But when he was a child and a young man, he lost half of his family members to disease. 
So he developed a personal desire for God to heal him from that hurt and to spare other people of the pain and the grief that he had suffered because of his losses. And so sometimes that relationship uh, allows, God allows that relationship to develop to the point where there's a little bit more um, uh favor a little bit more attention we're a little bit more drawn to God to under sometimes it's just questions God why did this happen see when you don't get the answer you think you want from God instead of getting mad at him be his friend see this is where the devil wins many times people get angry and they decide that they want to just stay mad. You've seen people like that. They'll say stuff like, God took so-and-so. God did this and God did that. Well, what do you know about God? You say God took him. Do you know him well enough to say that about him? Or are you just guessing because you're mad? See? And many times people like that answer and they don't want to go any further. They don't want to understand what really happens. You know why? They're scared to. Because that answer is good enough for them because they like blaming God anyway because they're not his friend. See, they don't belong to him and and they want to keep it that way. See, God is my enemy. I don't know him. I don't want to know him. That's That's pretty much how that flows and how that runs. And so if we allow ourselves to stay in a place where we can inquire of God, we can get to understand God, we can be blessed by God, we can come to uh, placing God where we know and we are known by him, then we can can have that relationship that takes care of us and it also helps us to understand him enough to trust him to use us, to get out in front of people, to risk everything, persecution, whatever it is that comes with being a servant of God. We're willing to take the risk because we have cultivated a relationship with him where we know we can trust him. If you don't have that, it's going to be hard to function and flow in many of the things that God wants us to do. It really will. Because you, you, the devil will get in your head and start telling you things like, well God is doing this because, and he's not pleased with this idea or that idea. And, and you've got to have a solid friendship where you at least know your sins are forgiven. You understand what I'm saying? At least know that. At least know that God is not a grudge holder. He's not holding up uh, your cousin's healing because you did something wrong. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to know God is a merciful God. And, and as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that way you won't be so quick to abandon him. See, he doesn't leave us, we leave him. You won't be so quick to abandon him when you think something or something better or you're not satisfied. Most people drop out of serving God because they're not satisfied with the personal relationship. See? They don't have a, they don't have a, a sense of the overwhelming love of God. Like nothing can separate. Nothing can separate. Nothing can separate you. Nothing can, nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing! And see, the carnal mind constantly bombards you with, but this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Now you didn't do this, and you didn't do that, and you need to do this, and you need to do more of that. And if you did this, then God would so and so. But you gotta accept the fact that nothing can separate you from His love. Well, you don't know what I go through. You don't know what they put me through. Nothing can separate you from his love. God's not putting you through it. He says they'll gather together, but not by me. So I don't get the devil to gang up on you. Are you kidding me? I didn't do that. See, what we're scared of, let me tell you what you're scared of. If you really love somebody... That puts you in a position of vulnerability where you're scared you might say you'll do anything for them. You hear what I said? Yeah, that's the thing that holds the church up time and time again. We don't have enough people who are willing to do anything. 
just like he did anything for us. He did everything for us. He didn't hold back for us. When is that going to come back to him? You don't have to answer me. I don't care if y'all don't like it. Talk to myself. See what I'm saying? When is when is that going to come back to him? Why do we have to get in dire straits before we can say yes? Most people are saying uncle. They never even say yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ah! Take it away, God, please. Most people used to say, I do anything you say. Remember them days? You get me out of this one, God. Huh? Them days are coming back. We're going to see a lot of people fall back into church that thought they could do without God or control the relationship as much as they wanted to. Little manipulators, little witches in the house of God. Yeah, all them witches go. We're going to throw water on them, huh? Praise God. Amen. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. If you're on your way to heaven, we need to act like it. Huh? We need to act like it. We don't need to be acting like, you know, it's, oh, let me get just one more dress or one more this or one more that. You know, it's, I hear everybody dresses the same in heaven. Not sure about that, but this rumor. You gotta be Catholic again. Go back to them uniforms. Huh? Hey. They got it from somewhere. <clears throat> no? <laughs> so the glory of God is that tangibility. Peter interpreted by the Holy Spirit what was going on. And we need more people to do that. We need more people to quit preaching and quit shouting and carrying on and try to sing you to death and all that kind of stuff. And just learn to listen to the Spirit, what the Spirit of God is saying when he comes in. You know, you, you have, I've been in churches that, that, you know, the, the Spirit of God comes in during the worship and then the preacher gets up to preach and says something. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And you can feel it lift and I'm going, oh, brother, not another one of those days. You understand what I'm saying? Because people pay no attention to. They got to can something they, you hear me, Jan? <laughs> we get to can something they like to say. And then God goes, bye bye. Huh? Cause you won't let him come in there and do anything different. And so you can, they can start out with a great anointing and get up and get a crazy sermon and kill what God is trying to do with his presence and his power. Amen? They just, you know, it's just not right. I mean, and it's not hard to learn how to, to flow with God. It's not hard to learn how to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. And just let your let yourself catch up with where he is. And even if you use the same sermon, let it be anointed by him and, and go with where he wants to go with it and not just force yourself in there and, and kill everything. So there's no and, and I say that to explain to you there's no um lack of desire on God's part to come in and help people. Because you see it happen over and over and over again. You know, you go into a church, say a denominational church is not spirit filled and you get people that really love God on the choir and sing and they start lifting their voices up and it's a real good choir director and he makes them punch it out and, they, and you'll feel the power of God go whoosh. And then the preacher comes in and goes, you just left. Huh? Pay attention to stuff, y'all. And they'll sit up there in a place where they quench the spirit. You can't get away with that forever. But you see how willing God is to come in time and time and time again. <laughs> He's so faithful. He said, I showed up again, but they kicked me out again. Huh? And so we, we need to really understand. Sometimes we need to get our hands out of so much stuff that God is trying to do and allow him more freedom in things. What would happen if we sat for 120 days in one place, waiting on God. I mean, nobody said anything. Nobody got a quick idea. You know how when it gets quiet for like two minutes? Go away! Nobody can sit in silence before God. It's got to keep something going. Or they think that means you, you're not prepared and they got to get up and preach. You know, all that kind of stuff. 
But think what would happen if that was the instruction. To go and just wait. Wait until I show up. Huh? Look at what happened when they waited. They turned the world upside down with the power of God. They got the full manifestation of the total glory of God. And that's what God wants to do all the time. Every time that he can, that's his plan. He wants to do that. So we need to have people who love God enough and will wait in his presence to interpret what's going on. We don't need people who get nervous in silence and everybody wants to give a prophecy all of a sudden. Amen. We need to really hear from heaven. So... Anyway, there are many things that God wants to do that he really would want to manifest in our lives. In John chapter 11, uh, there's a good example of why the glory of God came to these people, how it came, uh, what it came for. If God wants to manifest his glory to get somebody in your household healed, he will do that. He comes in in full manifestation of his power and glory to do whatever it is that needs to be done. So this in this story, I'm going to read you most of it because it, it there and some point out some things for you that maybe we don't pay much attention to because when you look for certain things, I think you find them a lot easier. But we're going to look for how the glory of God manifests, why it manifested, and what it means for those people who are watching. The glory of God is for people who are looking on as much as it is for the person who is receiving the benefit of whatever God is manifesting there. Because God expects people to learn every time he's present with them. Jesus is a rabbi. He was then, he always is. He's always a teacher. And he is he is there in the person of the Holy Spirit to teach us all things. And so it's good to keep keep your understanding open, your feelers open, uh, you know, and, and just pay attention when when these things happen because God wants people out here who know exactly what he's doing at all times. Those are called servants, amen. Servants wait on the master and we know what he's doing at all times. So it says here, now a certain man, this is John 11, verse 1, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, and it was that that Martha, which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters said unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said immediately, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. When something is for his glory, he has to show up with his glory to take care of it. Amen. When God is glorified, that means that the devil is put to shame. That means that weapon did not prosper in the front of everybody. That means that people will begin to have God revealed to them in a new way so that everybody knows who God is. Everybody understands what he's doing. Everybody knows everything. So when the glory comes in, it is a full manifestation of God in order to alleviate some human problem, answer a request, um, bring life into a situation. The glory always brings life. It brings understanding. It brings clarity. It brings meaning. It's as though God is standing there in full power talking to us and explaining to us everything that is going on in a situation. And so this is why it is so sought after. Because you can give a good sermon and and maybe two or three people really get it or really get portions of it. But when God shows up in manifestation of glory, he knows how to talk your language, her language, my language, your language. Everybody gets an uh, up-close explanation of what is going on and why God is doing it. So when Jesus says, this is for the glory of God, that means big deal. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that really does. This is, is a big thing. There were many people that Jesus healed uh, throughout his ministry, but there were certain people that he had to explain to the crowd, this is not for 
for that this is not going to kill this person. It's for God's glory. Like the young man that was born blind. And and the, the disciples say, who sinned him or his parents that he got this blindness curse on him? And Jesus said, nobody. Well, that'll kill a religious devil right there. You know, that's the start of the glory. Religion dies. And so while the Pharisees are choking on his words, he tells them it's, it's not neither one. He said, this is for the glory of God. In other words, God has chosen this situation to manifest himself to everybody here to not only alleviate the situation, but to teach every soul here exactly what he can do, what he wants to do, that he's a sovereign God. He can do what he wants to do with anybody, anytime he wants to for the good. This God is a good God. This is a, I'm not interested in putting no curse on nobody about somebody's sin. That's been taken care of. Anybody who points out anybody's sin at this point in their life as a Christian is just not paying attention. Big time. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's, that is so irrelevant to God. Faults and, and accusing and all that kind of not, that is so irrelevant to God. That's why he pays no attention to people that, that spout off like that. You understand what I'm saying? If you want to stay stupid, he'll let you stay stupid. But he's moving on to his glory. Amen. For those who want good and want to see human suffering alleviated, that's where God is parked. So if you want to go park with him, you'll get a ringside seat for something marvelous. Sin is of the devil and he's defeated. He's not going to even be around when we go into heaven and we have our eternal life really manifested. So why would we spend time dealing with his nonsense anyway? Let's just repent, get it out of the way, and start living for God. So that's what Jesus began to bring when he brought news of the kingdom. He said, it's time to live for God. You know, in the past, your sins kept you in bondage. They kept you messed up. They kept you in a lot of places you don't want to be. But now, the, the kingdom has come in all of its glory, and that sin's been dealt with. We don't bring that up. Once that's confessed, it's not brought up anymore. It's not an issue anymore. We don't put people in jail for wrongdoing in the kingdom. We forgive them, and everybody goes free. If you got free, we can all go free. You got me? And so this is what Jesus offers. So he says, nobody, nobody sinned. Now, you know, that seems a little janky to some people because, yeah, oh, what about Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus? You know, even people get to be scholars after, you know, if you put grace in the picture, then scholarship always shows up. You know, they're going to take you back to the book. God said he would do this. And he said, he said, yeah, but it also says, if you obey me, diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do what's right in his sight, give you to his hand, keep all his, keep all his laws. He, he judges us righteous. You get judged righteous one time. You don't need to have it done over and over and over again. You got me? Now, you might step out of it by disobedience, but you step right back in again by repentance. Go to the same door you got in the first time to get saved. You go in that same door over and over again in your life when you step out and get stupid. Amen? Huh? Like he's mine and I'm his, it don't matter what I did. Woo, that upsets religious people. Could you imagine the persecution that poor guy got from the religious crowd when he started singing that? What do you mean? All the sisters and the uh, the mothers in the white uniforms sitting <laughs> sitting on the front row. You're wearing blue, okay? It's not you. <laughs> All the judges, huh? People get ticked off by mercy. You look in our court system and see see what people think about mercy, or even what they think about truth. You know, in order to, for somebody to be convicted, they have to have evidence. And, and opinion is not evidence. See, in the world we live in today, we got it twisted. We think opinion is the same thing as evidence. There's people around now, the saints, swear O.J. Simpson's guilty. That man was acquitted so long ago, it ain't even funny. If he would stay innocent, you understand what I'm saying? 
there was a, a man who was on his defense team. He said, man, I can't believe that brother. He said, if I was him, as many miracles as we got, people would come to us with, with stuff they knew about people they were calling on the witness stand out of nowhere. He said, his mother was praying for him. He said, that little lady, he said, I had never seen nobody pray like her. He said, that brother should have crawled up in the church and stayed there. He said, if I was him, I'd have crawled up in the church and stayed there. He said, he got out and started playing around with them same old crazy, lousy people he prayed. Got him again, you see. The accuser of the brethren never quits. He don't take a day off. You got to stay in your place where God called you to. You got me? You must stay in the place he called you to. And relationship is the best thing. If you feel guilty or you feel wrong or you feel something, you go to God with that, man. You don't go to people. My goodness. He's not going to let people help you sometimes. Then we get mad at people because they won't help us and God's got their hands tied. There's some things only God can do for you. you got to accept that. You know, forget people. Forget yourself. Learn how to live under the shadow of the Almighty. Live for Him. So, anyway, Lazarus is there and he said, This sickness is not unto death before the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So everything that we do is for the glory of God so that Jesus can be glorified. That means that he can be lifted up, he can be held in high esteem, that we can give him credit for what it is that is going on in the earth at that time. And that's the only, that's the only thing. See, there are times when God needs to make himself known. People start lying on God and saying he did this, uh, 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 this is a, an act of God. Look at all the, the flooding and all the fires and all the this and all the that. Well, that's no act of God. If God's healing people, how's he destroying people? I mean, he's capable of it, but that ain't how he rolls. You understand what I'm saying? He'd much rather be merciful and show us mercy. Bible says it's mercy, mercy endures forever. What that means is that he never runs out of it. Like he may be, the Bible says that he, in his anger, for a brief moment, he hid his face from us in his anger. So he ain't angry with us no more, y'all. If you're washed in the blood of his son, he ain't mad at you. And if he were, it only lasts for a minute. Huh? It really. It's like you go up to God and say, God, you know I love you. I didn't mean that. And I say, oh, come here. Huh? I love you too. And get on with your little self and go do something for Papa. Huh? That's pretty much how it runs. He ain't up to no, he don't like you dragging your chin down and your fake contrition. You know what I'm saying. I remember we was in that Catholic church, uh, Bishop Russell, and we God told us to go pray, and they still had confessional booths in there. And we were over there praying, and I said, tell somebody, I said, there's lying spirits in here. And we cast them out in the confessional. Nothing against Catholics, but I know how y'all roll, so... Used to roll with you, so let's let's straighten up here and be real saved. So anyway, he said, "The sickness is not unto death, so that but the Son of God might be glorified thereby." So good things are to be said about Jesus. There were times where, and I believe this is true in ministry, that uh, if 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 people start perpetrating lies, persecuting, backlash against you for serving God, there's times where God needs to magnify the good side of what you do. You got me? So Jesus had to have that balance in his ministry too. So if there were times where we're in Jerusalem at this point right now, they want to kill him. Because he'd been in the temple whipping people up, throwing them out, telling them don't be, you know, my father's house is, you know, house of prayer. You turn into a den of thieves. People don't like that when you do that in the church. You understand? And so there may have been times where he needed to establish a better reputation for himself. And so God allowed him to do it. He'll do the same thing with you. If you're a servant of God, he doesn't want your good to be evil spoken of. 
and it's not always up to you. I mean, you do your part, but there are times where he's got to remove that evil report from under your name. That rumor that people have about you that you're this and you're that and don't go over there and don't go with them people. He's got to take care of that, folks, if you're, if you're going to survive and be a servant of his. And so when, when, when that would happen with Jesus, I think the Father would do something stupendous, spectacular, so that people would know that, that God was with him. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus and Mary. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the same place where he was. Ah! Jesus didn't drop everything and run. I thought he loved me. Oh? Sometimes love makes you stay where you at. Did you hear me? Yeah, and so he stayed two more days. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go over there. Let's go to Judea now. His disciples said to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone you. Why are you going there again? <laughs> He's like, hey, they're stoning me everywhere, brother. He says, are there not 12 hours in a day? So this is what, this is why we do what we do, even though people don't like us where we go. For those of you who think this is a popularity contest, and think it's real important to be liked, I'm going to tell you, that's, that's so far down the line of unimportant things. Amen. He says, uh, I don't have time to think about myself and whether I'm liked. i got to do the works of the Father. He says, if any man walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if a man would walk in the night, he stumbles because there's no light in him. These things he said, and after he said to them, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going that I may wake him out of his sleep. Now, to Jesus, any righteous person, if they're not alive, they're asleep to him. Why is that? I am the resurrection and the life. He that, it means, you know, you hear this at funerals mostly, but you know, he that believeth in me shall never die. Even though he is dead, he shall live. So you never die. Okay. You're just asleep. Why? Because if you're asleep, you'll get up again. Now, sinners die. Hello? But if you, you got eternal life in you. Does that mean something to somebody? Eternal life. You don't die. What he say about that little girl? Don't trouble the master. She's dead already. Let's break out the casseroles. And burn candles. When he got to the house, he says, she's not dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed at him. Why? He told, he told the father he was going to heal her way back when they were back there already. He didn't break his word. So he just let her sleep for a minute. It was temporary. She's coming back to life. Amen? We're all coming back to life. So we're not dead, okay? Y'all can put me in a coffin. When I get in there, y'all say, well, she's not dead. (laughs) That really shake people up. They be expecting me to get up and walk around. And I just might do it. Hmm? So the disciple says, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, that's good. Jesus says, no, I don't mean like sleeping at night. And he told him, Lazarus is dead. In your language, he's dead. But in my language, he's asleep. Amen. When you've got eternal life in you, there's no death, folks. Please. You're so alive, they, that casket almost wouldn't be able to hold you. Because the minute you step over, there's life there. 
death will touch you long enough to carry you out to say bye-bye to here. But the minute you get bye-bye here, you're alive over there. You got me? You raised up again. Well, he says he's dead. I'm glad for your sakes that I didn't go there. Ooh. Oh. Ah. He didn't say he was glad for their sakes that he died. He said, I'm glad for your sakes I didn't go. Now, why would he say something like that? He says this. Let me read it. He says, uh, I am glad for your sakes, verse 15, that I was not there. He wasn't there while he was sick. So what Jesus is saying, I heal sick people all the time. But this is going to sound going to mess your head up totally. Huh? Why? Because he's going to make them hold on to faith for the resurrection. Why do they need faith for the resurrection? So that they can be saved. Well, that's what that's what saves us. If you confess the Lord Jesus Christ, believe that God raised, up, raised him from the dead. You got to believe that. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you are not saved. You got to have faith to get over in there, in order to get over in there. Why did they need faith for the resurrection from the dead? So that they could be saved, but also so that Jesus could get up out their grave. Somebody on earth has to believe for the things that we're expecting come out of this covenant. He was working with them. But if you ask me, only one person really believed he was going to be raised for, and that was Mary, because she anointed him for his burial. Amen? So she believed he was going to die. And she believed he was going to be raised from the dead because he told her. She believed everything he said. That's why she sat at his feet. She wasn't trying to hit on him. She sat on his feet so that she could learn. And that's what he wants us all to do. So he says, I'm glad I wasn't there. Why? So that you could believe. Amen. Because I need people who believe that I have power, that I am the resurrection. Amen. And so... Thomas, which is Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Well, see, Thomas was the one who didn't believe he was raised from the dead, even after he was seen. So he never believed it. When Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. So Martha comes up with her religious self, and he says, do you believe, he says, Martha said to him, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, I know that, I heal people all the time. But I wasn't here for a purpose, so that I could get you people to believe for something greater. Did you know that the fact that you're still waiting for something for God is his favor to you so you can believe for something greater? You may not like it. You may not think you'd be better off if you believe for small things all the time. But I'm telling you, you have been selected by God to believe for something greater. Why? Because people believe for small things all the time. But he needs the people to come out of the small thing faith level and believe him for greater things, something impossible, something when people say it can't be done. You can because he has to fulfill all scripture. He has to fulfill scripture that says with God nothing is impossible, and he'll do it every day if we'll let him. But we're so busy trying to get off the anxiety hook. Do it now, God. I don't think I can wait any longer. Huh? Like we're constantly on water pills before God. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, the young people missed it, but keep, keep living as my mother would say, huh? I'm going to have to wrap this up some kind of way. Well, you know the end of the story. He talks to Martha. He assesses everybody's faith level as he talks to them. Jesus is the author and the completer of our faith. He started your faith a certain way and he's going to finish it. You got me? It According to his plan for you, not according to what you think you want out the deal. Because see, for us, most of us are satisfied. We get a house, we get a car, we can wreck three times and still driving it. 
all that kind of stuff. We're pretty satisfied. We think we set. But God has so many greater things for us that we have no clue. Like he told Peter, you have no idea what manner of spirit you are. You have no idea. So he's teaching us so that we know what manner of person we are, what manner of spirit, what do we carry inside of us, what's our potential, spiritually speaking. We have no clue. And so little by little, he's revealing that to us. The glory of God comes because we can get total revelation of what God is doing and what he's saying, what he wants to do, where his heart is. There are times I prophesy things and I listen, my head listens to it and I said, huh? Because I never understood that about God before. But in serving and ministering to other people, I can find things that will help me understand him as well. You understand me? So this is his plan for us, folks, that we have full disclosure, full understanding of the things of God. The glory does that. So that's why we believe in for a big move of glory at the conference and beyond. Amen. Because God wants to do all of these things. Amen. How'd I do? Praise God. We're good. Praise God. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us understanding, blessing us, helping us and keeping us. Father, I thank you that the devil is defeated, Jesus is Lord, and that we are recipients of your glory from this day forward and forever, and we love you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen.